the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to Love Never Fails Radio. Love Never Fails. Inviting you to join in the fight for love. There are millions of people who are trapped in modern day slavery. Take a stand to do something against this injustice. Join the fight against human trafficking. If you truly love, set the captives captives free. Each week, this program sheds light on the needs of vulnerable people in our community who are impacted by human trafficking, homelessness, addiction, and abuse, and celebrates the work of those who are meeting them right where they are and expressing to them that they are precious, valued, and loved. Our goal is to see this radio audience move to compassion demonstrated in acts of service, generosity, and gifts of time. Give up a chance. Give up your heart. Love never fails. Now here's the host of Love Never Fails Radio, founder and executive director of Love Never Fails, Vanessa Russell. Welcome to Love Never Fails Radio. We are going to be in for such a great discussion today. I have a powerhouse in the house today with me, Sarai Smith Maza Riegos, who is just doing amazing things in the community. She has been helping high-risk youth in various capacities for the last 19 years, working with DV, domestic violence, sex trafficking, runaway, homeless youth, foster care, probation, group homes, juvenile court, and so on. And really focusing uh, uh, quite a bit on commercially sexually exploited children. Um, She is a specialist in crisis intervention and trauma-informed care for women and children who have experienced sexual abuse and knowledgeable about residential and direct service management and all of the things that go along with sort of providing quality care uh, for children and um, youth and uh, the adults that she serves. She's a member of the San Francisco Mayor's Human Trafficking Task Force uh, Program Committee of San Francisco, a collaborative against human trafficking. And she's also a member of the South Bay Coalition to End Human Trafficking. Also, No Traffic Ahead. Those are sort of snapped together. Uh, She's on the executive community of AC United, on CEASE, which is Cities Empowered Against Sexual Exploitation, former co-chair of Alameda County Sexually Exploited Minors Network. And she is also one of the co-founders, one of the four co-founders of Missy and former program director and chairwoman for the Missy's Board of Directors. Um, I could go on and on. One other thing that is, I think, really important to note is that she was part of the development team for the Alameda County's first CSEC home, Nika's Place. Um, And, you know, just a huge, you know, blessing to so many people. She is now the founder of Survivors Healing, uh, advising and dedicated to empowerment, also known as the Shade movement. And we are so grateful to have Sarai on the uh, show today and hear about all the wonderful work you're doing. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much, Sarai, for being here. Thank you, Vanessa. Um, It's a pleasure to be here with you as well. Thank you so much. When you think about all of that, right, I just rattled off and I didn't even get to all of it. Does it make you tired? It it just kind of, you know, it makes me a little tired, (laughs) Sarai. I, but I know, I know. Joyful, just, right? <laughs> yes, just hearing it, I was like, "Wow!" I've I've been around for over twenty years, um, doing a lot of work here, primarily in Alameda County, um, the city of Oakland. So, you know, just being able to be part of a group of people, organizations, individuals um, that have wore so many different hats um, to change the landscape here and how we you know, address this issue, how we support and empower survivors. So it's, it's definitely a blessing um, and I'm thankful. 
Yes, yes. Well, you have been a uh, just a, a shoulder to cry on, a source of hugs and a, 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 a mouthpiece of, you know, someone who's advocating, someone who's being vocal about things that need to be vocal in our, you know, that we, where we need someone to speak up loudly about an issue. And um, for that, I am so grateful to you and um, and, you know, and, and the people that you have uh, committed to are are thankful as well. I've spoken to many, many of them. And so just um, kind of digging in, going back right to 19 or whatever, how many years ago? Tell the listening audience so they'll know how, how did this get started for you? Why, why, why all of these issues? Um, you know, why are you drawn to advocating for people in this way? I think most importantly for folks to understand, it's important to love others, and they don't have to be your blood, right? Um, mm-hmm. We all have to take care of each other, and I think sometimes we forget. Um, that that extends widely to folks that are not just in your immediate house. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's number one. Number one is I have so much love for others and I want everyone to feel protected and safe. Um, to me, that's how we thrive in life. That's how we, we grow and we start to understand what we have to offer. If we're able to actually love one another and take care of one another, regardless of who that person is. And I think at the same time, you know, unfortunately, I also experienced um, sexual exploitation as a child. So, um, you know, I've experienced sexual violence. And so I understand what that feels like. Um, I understand the missing the missing pieces. Um, I understand what makes folks vulnerable to um, sexual violence. And so I think it's really important to to educate. And when we educate, we change things. And that's another part of, of me, of what I feel I'm supposed to bring, not just love, but also that education, those pieces that are missing that people need to know about. Right. And so, and I think as survivors, some of us, um, are empowered and some of us don't feel empowered. And so therefore we don't realize our voice. And to me, that's really important for anyone to heal and recover from any type of violent crime is to be able to be heard and to feel empowered. And so that's that's pretty much where my drive comes from is I'm empowered. And so I need to empower others and I need others to know how much power they hold, um, regardless of what we've been told as a child, you know, that we wouldn't amount to anything, despite what we've been told, we have so much power. Um, And so I think it's just so important for us to be able to tap into that. I couldn't agree with you more. So as you, you, you know, you probably know, I'm not a survivor of human trafficking per se, um, but I am a survivor of pretty much everything else, you know, childhood abuse and rape and um, domestic violence. And I would say just, you know, you. I saw in your bio, you know, you're an expert in victimology, right? And one of the core principles there is for us to find our voice, right? Mm-hmm. Is for us exactly. to feel, like you said, feel safe enough to share our truth and to, and to say it's not okay. And also to say, I'm not responsible because there's so much victim blaming in our world. And so um, I, I, you know, one of the things I love about you is that you um, are such a fierce advocate for uh, people to, uh, for survivors to have a voice at the table. Um, And also I've seen you advocating for people who, you know, I think early on, maybe your advocacy was more for people that had a similar walk of life as you. And as of late, I've noticed that you've been, reaching out into different communities, right? Just like you said, everybody, right, has the right to be safe and to be heard. And so I want to talk some more, you know, um, I I feel like I really want to dig into this piece because, and I think it's it's a huge part of shade, right? Isn't that like a huge focus for you? Okay, so I think, you know, because we have to go to a break, what I'd like to do is go ahead and take that break and come back and talk about sort of your philosophy, you know, around the organization you founded, Shade, and um, 
and some of the ways in which you're you're moving into those places, maybe that are new for you, um, you know, and, and or the same. You know, I, I know that you're a co-founder of Missy um, and now Shade is your own organization. Are there other other things that you're digging into more deeply or different <laughs> revelations that you are, you know, coming to then saying, gosh, you know, this is something that I really want to focus on and I don't, you know, it's a gap, right? Um, and so yes. let's dig into that. Let's take a quick break. We're going to come right back and hear more from Sarai and the Shade Movement. And thanks for listening to Love Never Fails Radio. For more information on this program, visit loveneverfailsus.com. That's loveneverfailsus.com. We'll be right back with more right after these messages. Trash bills weighing you down? At Case Industries, we specialize in lowering waste costs and providing trash consolidation and compaction services for multifamily properties, condos, and commercial shopping centers. Let us help you reduce operating expenses and increase property NOI. Case Industries, saving the planet, saving you money. Contact us today for a property trash and recycling assessment online at caseindustries.us or call 510-566-4223. That's caseindustries.us or call 510-566-4223. Case Industries, the property manager's friend. Hi, I'm Sandra Herrera, CEO of Case Industries. I've found that many employers are looking for ways to help the community but don't know how. I encourage you to consider supporting Love Never Fails as a corporate sponsor. Love Never Fails offers all the resources necessary to help young women and men overcome the trauma of exploitation and abuse. And that's why I'm proud to have Case Industries supporting Love Never Fails Radio. Welcome back to Love Never Fails Radio, where you are invited to turn your compassion into action and love those in your midst. Now here's the host of Love Never Fails Radio, Vanessa Russell. And welcome back to Love Never Fails Radio. We again are in the studio today with Sarai Smith Masariegos, and she is talking to us about all the variety of things she's done in the community, whether it be participating in uh, coalitions or task force that are fighting against human trafficking, advocating for survivors, um, showing up when there's political conversations and or policy conversations to talk. Um, about, you know, as a survivor's perspective, and of course, as the founding executive director of the uh, Survivors Healing Advising and dedicated to empowerment uh, shade movement, uh, which is the organization she founded. And, um, and we're, you know, we were just talking in the last segment uh, about Sarai's um, uh, sort of new organization, uh, relatively new. It's been, I think, 2017 you founded it. Is that right? 2015. Mm-hmm. So 2015 Shade Movement was founded. And when you think about kind of the focus, how would you contrast uh, Shade Movement from maybe other organizations uh, that you founded or that, um, you know, coalitions and task force that you sit on? I think what's important to to acknowledge is that for, for Shade, as me being a survivor leader, survivor of child sexual exploitation, survivor leadership is important. And I think the foundation of Shade is the fact that our goal is to empower, but to activate survivors' ability to lead and influence. And so in everything that we do, we are unique um, because we are 100% um, survivor led survivor base. That means all of our staff um, are survivors of sexual exploitation, human trafficking, and domestic violence. And that was really important to me because being in this movement for so long and wearing many different hats and being a part of, you know, task force and collaboratives, um, creating, you know, being one of the co-founders of Missy, my vision has always been to make sure that survivors are leading this movement, that we're the ones at the forefront leading this movement, because this is our fight, right? And a lot of the information that's out there has come from survivors. um, And it's almost like a third party, when in reality, you just need the survivor there to speak it. 
And right now in this movement, I don't see a lot of survivors in different organizations unless they are survivor-led organizations where survivors are leading um, and in management positions, not just entry-level positions. And so, you know, it's, it's really important for Shade to uplift and encourage and inspire survivors. So we do this by providing a variety of different services, but again, understanding that our services are all survivor led, right? Um, We have street outreach. We have our support hotline. um, We also have our support groups. We do trainings um, with professionals, NGOs. um, We also do our own skill building trainings. um, And we also do um, bedside advocacy, court advocacy, um, workshops. We do a variety of things and everything is done to empower other survivors for them to know that healing and recovery is possible. When you see someone else that have walked in similar shoes as you running an organization, being a lawyer, being a doctor, that sends a very clear message that your past does not define you and you can be anyone that you choose to be. All you have to do is reach for it. And I think we say it, but we don't show it enough. And that is what Shade is trying to do is to show all survivors that no matter what, you have these abilities, you have these capabilities and you have to be able to tap in, which is why we're constantly talking about activating the survivor's ability to lead and influence. Yes, I can't emphasize that enough. It's it's incredible to me how powerful it is uh, when, a, you know, a, a survivor speaks to another that is just coming out of the life. It's just, there's nothing like it. There just is no, you know, there's no salute there's no um clinical solution there's no medicine you know it's like like you said you showing up stable and pursuing your purpose and speaking into the life of somebody who's not yet there and saying you know i i I understand where you're at right i'm not trying to make you into me right i'm not trying to make you into me but I'm, i'm i'm giving you a glimpse of hope that it does get better, you know, it exactly. will get better. Yeah. 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 So. And, and, you know, I think it's just important for us to understand that survivors are the strongest advocates to promote change and develop mm-hmm. organizations and programs to assist in eradicating human trafficking. I, I think it's so important for us to really understand the value of survivor leadership, which is missing. Mm-hmm. And this is what we're here to bring. So why do you think, you know, I know that part of the model for Missy, right, was creating the spa, right? Safety place alternative, right? Is it? Mm-hmm. Okay. I'm trying to make sure I got the acronym right. And so yeah, creating safe place the spa, alternative. safe place, that's right. Safe place alternative. And so, and it, it's survivor led, right? And so there's been some, you know, um, in, in speaking with some of the other co-founders, there's been some ahas there, right? Around having survivors lead, um, you know, the, the environment, lead the, the spa and other, other projects. And so just wondering, have you incorporated some of the best practices from over there, you know, the things that you learned or were learned at Missy or, you know, kind of how did you formulate how to go about creating your, your program? I think, you know, when we first started um, creating Missy, our thing was to keep Missy survivor led as well. Um, It was definitely never for any of us to stay in any type of position, but to hand it down to other survivors to, to run it. Um, And of course, as things developed and we grew and we learned um, that was always the case, but there's always hiccups everywhere you go. Um, But when I initially actually started to develop um, Nika's place, Mm-hmm. I actually mm-hmm. developed a survivor advisory board. Um, and that is where my vision and understanding really started to grow. Um, really sitting at the table with young survivors, younger than me, um, some, some my age, some even older, and just really starting to, to understand 
when it comes to resiliency, I think that's something that a lot of organizations don't understand what that looks like for someone that has been trafficked, right? Mm -hmm. It's going to look different from someone that was maybe just had witnessed domestic violence in their house, right? Mm -hmm. It it Mm -hmm. looks different. um, And I think people sometimes had a hard time understanding what resiliency looks like and what that um, entails. And I think the longer we started to do this work, we started to really realize um, how paramount it was to make sure survivors were in those positions, right? And how much survivor leadership was, not really understanding what survivor leadership looked like then, um, because that that was still forming at that time. I mean, that was back in, in 2003. Um, and that's when this issue actually became really visible to Alameda County. It was not truly visible to Alameda County until 2000. Um, and so I think within all this, these years of working with survivors and understanding that, you know, every survivor is different um, and every survivor capacity is different. And when they're going to recover and when they're going to heal is different, right? Because everyone's trauma is different. Just because our story is similar does not mean that our trauma, we're going to react the same way, right? And so I think it's just really understanding that we all are amazing. And I think it's important for us to have belief in survivors' ability to succeed. And when we truly believe that all survivors can succeed, then our services will be more effective. And I think that's what has been missing for so long is that people tend to just see our trauma and do not see our resiliency and our efforts to to heal and to manage our trauma. And I think this is what we've seen and what Shade is not doing is that we're not limiting anyone. We're making sure that every survivor knows that they have, that they're amazing and that they're capable. And to me, a lot of organizations, we're not drilling that in. And that is called empowerment. And so when we are also, sometimes we're afraid of that power that survivors have. We can't be afraid. We have to be able to support them in any direction they're going into because that's how we empower. That's how we love. And so, again, we just have to believe in survivors' ability. And once we do, they will thrive. And that's what I see. That's what I constantly see. And that's what Shade is really trying to deliver and really inform other organizations on what our best practice is. And number one is that you have to first believe in every ability that these survivors are bringing that you can see within your interactions with them, but also Mm -hmm. understand the behaviors based off of their trauma that they've experienced as well. Awesome. Well, thank you so much um, for breaking that down because I think at the core of every action that we take, there has to be belief. We have to believe in what we're doing. We have to know what our why is. And so you've really helped, I think, us to kind of take a step back and the listening audience to say, hey, do I do I really believe that? And if I do, um, what should I be doing in terms of my actions to um, to give lift to that. So we're going to take a quick break. We're going to talk about um, some things that are going on in our community, um, which are kind of controversial, um, re- involving the decriminalization of prostitution and some legislation that's happening. And so you don't want to miss this coming up. And we'll be right back with Love Never Fails Radio. To join in the fight for love, visit loveneverfailsus.com. Don't go away. Love Never Fails Radio will return right after these messages from our sponsors. This is Dr. Miluna Fausch. I am honored to serve on the advisory board of Love Never Fails, where each voice matters as lives are restored. Thank you for your support. Let's face it, you are making a pitch for something every day. 
Your verbal communication skills are the key to your professional and personal success. My company, Pitch Perfect Presentations, trains executives, management teams, and startups in delivering consistent, effective, engaging presentations to today's diverse audiences to rev up sales, attract clients and fans, and secure funding. Visit PitchPerfectPresentations.com to schedule your complimentary strategy call with me today. That's PitchPerfectPresentations.com, PitchPerfectPresentations.com. Welcome back to Love Never Fails Radio, where you are invited to turn your compassion into action and love those in your midst. Now, here's the host of Love Never Fails Radio, Vanessa Russell. And welcome back to Love Never Fails Radio. We again are in the studio today, and we are talking with Sarai, the founding executive director of the Shade Movement, and um, as was mentioned, sitting on many uh, task force and boards throughout the Bay Area and throughout California, really, and uh, she and I actually have uh, both sit, uh, she and, and uh, Shade Movement and Love Never Fails, both sit on the Mayor's Task Force on Anti-Human Trafficking. And, um, and, and there I began to uh, become aware, I think it was already um, cer- certainly being discussed, but there's just really been, uh, it's become very prevalent, very highlighted in the last couple of years that there is this um, just uh, a couple of different camps that are coming together and discussing the topic of decriminalizing prostitution and the implications of that to uh, to uh, CSEC, to commercially sexually exploited children, to women, to men, um, to the LGBTQ community. And um, and then, you know, and then there is the implications from a financial standpoint and the buyers and the uh, exploiters and just a few, you know, few different streams that have been um, coming in and and certainly been front and center for us. Um, One of those that came in was um, the mayor's task force anti-human trafficking position paper on FOSTA. And for those of you who um, uh, don't know what that is, that was the fight online sex trafficking act um and uh it basically uh was an an act that dealt with um tech providers in particular um assigned penalties and even charges to tech providers that provided a platform where people were being trafficked um i think the intention of it was certainly to deal with people like uh my red book and you know craigslist and other online um, um, corporations that were blindly kind of turning the other cheek or in some instances actually creating apps where um, people were, you know, purposely being sold. Uh, in other instances, it was, well, hey, you know, I'm going to look the other way and take your money while you use my platform to, to traffic children and traffic people. And um, so there was this um, this this bill that that was um, approved. Uh, and um, and there was just quite a divide amongst the members of the mayor's task force. Um, uh, Love Never Fails uh, was a um, was a vote against um, the position paper that the San Francisco mayor's task force uh, task force um, uh, put in place, which basically stood against the FOSTA bill. Um, uh, uh, shade movement abstained. I, uh, ironically, people that are, you know, extremely vocal in this space abstained. Larkin Youth, Huckleberry House, Freedom Forward, Young Women's Freedom Center, San Francisco Unified School, they all abstained. And so, um, it was a very controversial. And, you know, for me, that, that, that showed me that there were too many variables. Too many variables in the way that the position paper was written, in the way that this, that FOSTA was written, and 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 it just has left everybody feeling a little bit like it's not quite the right approach. It's not quite the right. It's not a place where we can come together and unify. And then recently, there's been an effort um, with Decrim NY, um, which is um, uh, uh, a group of folks that are in New York 
And they're working to decriminalize, decarcerate and destigmatize the sex trades. And, you know, their whole position is uh, to improve uh, the lives of people who perform sex uh, labor. Um, you know, they kind of view, um, you know, the exchange of money for sex as as a job. And they believe that, you know, they're feeling their stances that it's by choice, by circumstance or by coercion. And, and then they call it sex work. And, you know, and they want it to be decriminalized and they believe that it will make for a, a safer New York if this if, if, if prostitution is decriminalized. And then most recently, there has been, an, you know, a, a something that has been launched. It's called the Survivors Agenda. And um, this agenda, again, seeks to decriminalize. But again, it decriminalizes not just for those who are impacted the sex workers, but also for the buyers and for the exploiters. And so it's just a an end-to-end decriminalization of the entire industry. And so there is another movement that's called hashtag we dissent that um, has written a letter to the survivors agenda leadership. And it really, you know, if I could just encapsulate it, it's 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 in a lengthy letter letter, and I'm not gonna read it to you, but it goes into um, explaining why the sex trade has been particular, particularly un, um, uh, unsafe and abusive and, um, and, you know, not a positive thing for so many people um, that are marginalized, that are, um, that are, you know, devalued because of their, their race, their social economic status, their age, um, their sexual orientation. And so those those groups are not feeling empowered in this movement. And so um, I wanted to have you come and talk, Sarai, about all of this sort of varying, you know, all these varying perspectives and some of the things, you know, you and I have been in these these meetings where we're having these discussions and my question to you is, you know, certainly as a survivor, um, I'd love to hear your perspective as an executive director of a nonprofit that is fighting in these areas and working and 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 advocating. I have people that I'm advocating for that are sex workers that, you know, that say this is what their chosen profession is. And I have to respect and honor that. And I know you do, too. So how do you make sense of this all? All right. Yeah, you know, um, when all of this came to my attention, um, it actually originally came to my attention in 2018. Um, of course, we knew when FOSCA passed that this was going to send a ripple. Um, and we're going to have some sides completely upset and other sides justifying it. Um, and, and I definitely understand why FOSCA bill was needed. Because we are having more than 500 children being trafficked online, right? Right. And Mm -hmm. we have to protect our children. That is our main goal in this world as humans are to protect those that are vulnerable. And those Mm -hmm. are the children. And so ideally, this is what the bill is about. However, it also affects those that call themselves sex workers that also work online, right? And so this was a huge issue. Unfortunately, these are things that happen. We have to understand that when laws are put in place, when bills are passed, they're not to benefit everyone. They're Mm -hmm. to benefit a certain group or a particular class, period, right? Um, Right. And so, and I, and I think this is the issue that we're having just throughout um, trying to disrupt this issue. Yeah. However, yeah. when this happened, when FOSCA passed, we knew that the sex workers movement would do something. And what's occurred since then is in different states throughout the U.S., um, bills have been popping up to legalize or for full decriminalization, right? We understand that there's only one state in the U.S., which is Nevada, um, that legalize um, sex work in reality. Yeah. And right now they're trying to get full decrim as well. So 
We have New York, we have other states, as well as even California. A lot of folks didn't know that in 2018, um, there was also a bill put out um, for food decomization and for California, which was actually when I started to really understand what was going on, started talking to people, and we created a new initiative called Freed Collective. You can actually go to our to the website. It's called Freed slash collective.org. Okay. Um, and this is where we have taken different different entities has joined our efforts here in California to really educate um, the community and educate professionals, folks that's working in the human trafficking movement, because we started having conversation. And it's we started to understand that folks really didn't understand what was legalization, what is full decriminalization, and then what is this partial decriminalization that we're now hearing about. Mm-hmm. Um, and so before New York even happened, we had this major thing that happened in D.C. as well. The mm-hmm. same thing that's happened in New York happened in D.C. last year. Um, right. And so we, we have to really understand that we're being hit in every direction, meaning every state almost is being hit with this for full decriminalization. And if we are to agree to this, then we're saying it is okay for women and children, boys, men to be trafficked. Right. Because the sex industry has influenced the creation of sex trafficking as well. Mm -hmm. And we can't sit here and continue to think that if we legalize it, then our children are going to be safe or women are going to be safe. It's this is all false consent and yep. promotes inequalities and sexual objectification. Right. Yeah. And we have to truly like really understand what is it going to take to disrupt human trafficking? And it is definitely not to pass a full decriminalization bill that is allowing pimps to pimp and buyers to have sex with children. Right. Who have sex with right. anyone who does not want to have sex with them. Right. And that and I think that is one of the things that we have to be, you know, that's the big question. Right. Um, is do we um, believe that um, do we believe that uh, people who say and is it our place to even interpret um, when an 18 year old says, I want to do this. And we know that the 18-year-old has been trafficked since they were 12, and they've never had another alternative, and they've never been given any support, housing, workforce development, empowerment, and yet they're 18 saying, this is my chosen career, and this is my sex work, you know, and I'm going to leave people on a little bit of a hanger because we have to take a break, but you know, we're going to come back. I want to hear from you, Sarai, because I think I'm, I hear this this question, do, well, they say they want it. They say that this is, I'm a sex worker. This is my chosen career. And I just want to make sure that it's safe for me to be able to do this. Um, So we're going to come back. We're going to hear from you. You know, what's your perspective on that? And how much should we, um, should we, what should we do about that? So we'll be right back. And thanks for listening to Love Never Fails Radio. For more information on this program, visit loveneverfailsus.com. That's loveneverfailsus.com. We'll be right back with more right after these messages. Trash bills weighing you down? At Case Industries, we specialize in lowering waste costs and providing trash consolidation and compaction services for multifamily properties, condos, and commercial shopping centers. Let us help you reduce operating expenses and increase property NOI. Case Industries, saving the planet, saving you money. Contact us today for a property trash and recycling assessment online at caseindustries.us or call 510-566-4223. That's caseindustries.us or call 510-566-4223. Case Industries, the property manager's friend. Hi, I'm Sandra Herrera, CEO of Case Industries. I've found that many employers are looking for ways to help the community but don't know how. I encourage you to consider supporting Love Never Fails as a corporate sponsor. Love Never Fails offers all the resources necessary to help young women and men overcome the trauma of exploitation and abuse. And that's why I'm proud to have Case Industries supporting Love Never Fails Radio. 
Welcome back to Love Never Fails Radio, where you are invited to turn your compassion into action and love those in your midst. Now, here's the host of Love Never Fails Radio, Vanessa Russell. And welcome back to Love Never Fails Radio. Uh, we are in the studio today with Sarai Smith, uh, Masa Riegos, and we are just hearing about um, a variety of things. And right now we're talking about the decriminalization of prostitution and the and the varying perspectives, right? So you have on one side of the coin, you have children that are being exploited. Um, you have vulnerable adults that don't want to be trafficked, that are being trafficked. And then you have another camp that is the sex workers. And there's actually a sex workers union. Don't know if you guys knew that, but there are folks that have, have formed together that say, this is my job. This is the way I pay, you know, I pay my bills and I want to be able to do it just like a job and in a safe way. And, um, and there's these efforts, these political efforts that are going on, the decriminalization effort that happened in Washington. It ha- it's happening in New York. It's actually, an, you know, part of a bill that's on the committee floor right now in New York. It's hap- it's now the survivor's agenda is pushing for this. Um, and so I asked the question in the last segment, uh, Sarai, of you, what do you say to an 18-year-old that said, you know, that has been trafficked since 12 and um, comes, you know, never there was never any intervention, uh, no, no workforce development, no other source of income or love or support from the community. And now they're 18. And I have to squeak this in. I, I met with the president of the sex workers union in San Francisco and I asked her how many what percentage of of uh, your your um, your union, would you say, are people that were trafficked as children? She said almost 100, almost 100 percent. And that really disturbed me to my core because I don't think I don't know. I don't think a choice is a choice unless you had other alternatives. And so that's just my two cents. But Sarai, what do you think? You know, I was actually asked this question um, on a panel a few years ago um, in San Francisco. and. You know, I think it's important for us to understand that for this situation is different, right? For different survivors. Um, seeing the fact that I have friends on both sides. Um, and so anytime I'm working with a young person and I've, I know they've been trafficked because I've been working with them maybe since they were 14 years old, unfortunately. And then they turn 18 and they're like, right this this is what I know, this is what, this is what I'm going to do. I have to, as their advocate, um, as their service provider, I have to respect the decision that they're making, right? It doesn't mean that I agree with it. Um, and I'm typically open with them, right? And, but we have this understanding of, of respect. And so, you know, they share with me and I'm like, oh, wow, you know, well, why is this? For one, I want to understand their reasoning around it. Second, I also understand that they also have been processed, completely processed their trauma from when they were exploited as a child, right? Mm -hmm. It takes much longer and they do it at different stages in their lives. I think it's important for us to understand that if she's 18 and this is the decision that she's making, we have to respect that. Yet at the time we still have to continue to give them the services that they need in order for them to make the decision to exit the commercial sex industry right we have to continue to give them trauma-informed medical and mental health services housing education job training economic opportunity it doesn't change just because she's now a she can actually now you know legally um Consent. Consent, yes. Mm-hmm. So this is where we have to understand is that just because we're helping someone doesn't mean that we control every choice that they make, right? right? We have to be able to support them and meet them where they're at. And sometimes we don't understand what that means when we say meet someone where they're at. Right. And that means within the moment in the supporting stage of them change. through. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And supporting them through where they're at. And and you mentioned that we can't effectively do that unless we actually understand the stages of change. As well. 
right. you know, and so mm-hmm. anyone that's working with survivors should number one, understand the t- stages of change. Number yes. two, understand that we have to always meet them where they're at in the moment. Right. Yeah. Not, and not try and push them to our agenda, but right. really understand what they need and what they're trying to accomplish. And those are still baby steps. They're not huge steps, you know? Yeah. And so if she's working, but she's still coming, if she's out there exploiting herself and she is still coming to you for services, continue to give her what she needs because I guarantee you she actually doesn't want to do what she's doing. Right now, right. this is the only thing that she's, she sees is, is, is they're available to her so that she can survive. She it's is still in survival knows. mode. This yes. is the thing is that she is still in survival mode. And as long as she's in survival mode or he's in survival mode, then they mm-hmm. can't make healthy choices the way you hope they would. And so it's just really supporting them, supporting them where they're at. Yeah. And I would say, I would say that at the same time, you're supporting people where they are. Um, we don't, we're not going to um, alter or we don't, I, I don't agree with altering the laws so that they just enable that behavior to continue because we know um, that it doesn't produce anything positive at the end. And in the only people that I know of, I will say that are saying, this has worked out great for me. They don't look like me. They don't come from my background. I, I, most of the people they have, they come from a very different background. They're not living, they're not coming from human trafficking um, out of poverty and out of vulnerability and out of trauma. They maybe have opted into it um, for a totally different reason and they get to pick and choose when they want to do it. And that's a very different experience than most of the people that I serve. And I think probably that you serve. So I don't know. You you have some final thoughts. Yeah. I want to piggyback on that is that we have to understand that when it comes to black and brown women and girls, our consent looks completely different from others. And I say that white women, our consent looks completely different from white women. And I want us to understand that the 5% that is leading the sex workers movement, you're right. It does not look like you're an I. And we have to really understand how when within our culture, within the black and brown culture, you know, this sexual trauma is generational, right? And those are areas that have not yet to even be healed yet. We have constantly been dealing with slavery, trafficking, sexual objectification for so long that a lot of it has become normalized. Our lens is not sex workers' lens. Right. That is language that has been taught to us. And we're using lens that we don't even understand. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And, and so I was so glad you said that because I just really want people to get that we want, um, you know, we want people to understand that consent means a lot of things in this conversation. We're going to have to take a break. We're going to come right back. Very brief uh, final thoughts. Thank you so much for being on the show, Sarai. We appreciate you so much. Um, we'll come right back with your um, email and your um, your website and uh, and a few final thoughts. Thanks for listening to Love Never Fails Radio. To join in the fight for love, visit loveneverfailsus.com. Don't go away. Love Never Fails Radio will return right after these messages from our sponsors. This is Dr. Miluna Fausch. I am honored to serve on the advisory board of Love Never Fails, where each voice matters as lives are restored. Thank you for your support. Let's face it, you are making a pitch for something every day. Your verbal communication skills are the key to your professional and personal success. 
My company, Pitch Perfect Presentations, trains executives, management teams, and startups in delivering consistent, effective, engaging presentations to today's diverse audiences to rev up sales, attract clients and fans, and secure funding. Visit PitchPerfectPresentations.com to schedule your complimentary strategy call with me today. That's PitchPerfectPresentations.com, PitchPerfectPresentations.com. Welcome back to Love Never Fails Radio, where you are invited to turn your compassion into action and love those in your midst. Now here's the host of Love Never Fails Radio, Vanessa Russell. And welcome back to Love Never Fails Radio. Thank you so much, Sarai, for being on the show. How can people get in touch with you in the Shade Movement? Check our website out at www.shademovement.org. I also encourage you to check out freed slash collective.org as well to learn more about um, this whole decriminalization issue. Yes, letters to be signed on and a variety of other things. And then, of course, um, you can, you know, get up to date on everything that we've got going on on our website, which is loveneverfailsus.com. Um, and, of course, I hope you're enjoying your holiday season. Please be safe out there. And if you haven't heard it before or you need to hear it again, I want to make sure that you know that you are loved. Thanks for joining us this week on Love Never Fails Radio. We trust that you've been inspired by these stories of hope and love and that you'll accept our challenge to get involved by contacting us at loveneverfailsus.com, by liking and sharing our Facebook page, Facebook slash Love Never Fails Radio, or by making a contribution directly to Love Never Fails. This program is the broadcast outreach of Love Never Fails, which is a donor-supported nonprofit ministry that Vanessa founded as a way of directly impacting the lives of young people who are trapped in or at risk of becoming involved in human trafficking. This broadcast needs your involvement and support. To find out more, simply go to loveneverfailsus.com and click on the radio show link. Today's program was brought to you in part by Case Industries, as well as supporters from Faith Fellowship, New Hope Christian Fellowship, and the International Church of the Foursquare Gospel. On behalf of Vanessa and the whole team at Love Never Fails, thank you for listening, and thank you even more for committing to turn your compassion into action and love those in your midst. Give up a chance.